Good morning, church. Good morning to uh, guests as well, if you are here for the first time or first few times, and of course, uh, all who are watching online. For those who are attending service for the very first time this year, uh, I will be very new to you. Uh, my name is uh, Siu Chai. I'm one of, I'm not one of the, I'm the, I'm the new pastor. <laughs> I wish there are more new pastors. <laughs> so last week I spoke um, on what Jesus said about the church. Uh, today I want to talk about the presence of God. So these two part series, uh, the purpose, uh, they are twofold. The primary purpose, uh, I believe uh, this is something that I prayed and I sense that this is what God is saying to us uh, as a church in line with uh, the focus for our church mission with the Master. And so last week, I spoke about what Jesus said about His church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And for us to be the church on mission with the Master, it's important for us to know that we cannot do this by our own. We need the presence of God. So that's the primary purpose of uh, these two parts, a sermon series. But the secondary purpose, I hope that through my sharing, it kind of allowed you to get to know me as well. Not in the sense of like, uh, like what I like, my hobbies and things like that. But really, uh, perhaps you will want to know who is Jesus to me? Uh, what is my understanding of the church? And what do I think about God or the presence of God? When I became a pastor um, in 2009, as a young and new pastor, we went through many trainings. Uh, we have many good pastors who also helped to equip us to show us how to do ministry. I still remember in one of my trainings, uh, I listened to this uh, sermon uh, by Pastor Wayne Cordero. In this sermon, it was, it was really about uh, helping uh, all of us, not just pastors, but everyone leaders to understand the, the reality of burnout and how can we kind of not get burnout, but rather to depend on God. In it, he shared his own experience. And that, that particular sharing uh, sticks with me even to today. And I want to share it with you because I think it is perhaps something that the Lord uh, may speak to you also. So this is what happened. Uh, the context is, the church that Pastor Wayne Cordero uh, pastored long time ago, not anywhere like in recent years, uh, because it's a very huge church, they have many services, Saturday and Sunday, and each service attended by thousands of people. So they had their service in a high school auditorium. But they were informed by the school about two months before that on a particular weekend, they cannot use the auditorium. And so they had to look for a new place. And you know, being a size uh, of the, the, the church of the size, it's not easy to find just any other uh, venue. So after March, looking, uh, the best option is to hold it outdoor. Uh, the church that uh, he is pastoring is in Hawaii, uh, New Hope, Oahu. Uh, so, and I think this is something that perhaps uh, if we do the sermon journal, uh, you'll know this SOAP. So it actually originates from the church. So what happened is they decided to do it outdoor, and so they prayed very hard. They prayed very hard and asked, Lord, please bless us with good weather for the weekend. Because they definitely cannot provide shelter for everyone. 
and they prayed and they prayed. Saturday came and it was drizzling. Not so bad, not so bad. Uh, the service continued even though they needed to do some adjustment. But then Sunday morning, when Pastor Wayne Cordero woke up to his horror, it was not drizzling, it was pouring. And so when he drove to the, to the venue for the worship, he was praying really hard and said, God, let the rain stop. And you know, he prayed with so much faith that he refused to turn on the, the wiper. Yeah, believing that if he had faith enough, the rain will stop. But when he reached the venue, the rain didn't stop. And so many church members were already gathered there. They were under the umbrellas and they were praying and they were worshipping the Lord. So Pastor Wayne Cordero, he was there with the worshippers, with the members of the church. He was stretching out his hand, even though he looked like he was worshipping, but he was actually complaining to God. God, I did so much for you and your kingdom. Why couldn't you just meet me halfway and just, just for this weekend, give us good weather so that we can have proper worship? And he was looking at the band, you know, with all the electric stuff going on and the rain. You know, as a senior pastor, he was kind of panicking. So, but at that moment, at the moment when he was just complaining to God, venting his frustration at God, it's like suddenly the cloud parted and the voice of God came to him. It was not an audible voice, but this is what he sensed from the Lord. And God said to Pastor Wayne Cordero, you are more concerned with the absence of rain than you are about the presence of God. You are more concerned about the absence of rain than you are about the presence of God. And he went on to say this, what if I took away the rain but you never had my presence in your ministry, would that make you happy? You know, when I first heard this, it really struck me. Until today, it's something that constantly the Lord uses it to remind me. Am I more concerned about the absence of rain than about the presence of God? Friends, the reality is we can be more concerned about what we want from God than God himself. Perhaps uh, you are here and you are new to the Christian faith. Uh, you want to find out more about Christianity, about Jesus. And you wonder what it means when we talk about the presence of God. You know, like you, I never knew I could experience the presence of God until I received Jesus into my life when I was 18. I realized then that becoming a Christian is not so much about having a new religion, but about having a relationship with God. And how can we have a relationship with God without experiencing His presence? So this morning, we want to look at Exodus 20, verses 18 to 21, which has a lot to teach us about the presence of God. But before that, let's take a quick look at Exodus 19, as it provides the context to what we are hearing today. So uh, if for those of you who uh, brought your Bible, I believe all of us, uh, we brought our Bible, be it in electronic form or book. Can you turn to Exodus 19? So a bit of a history. There was a time when the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt. God rescued them from their slavery in Egypt and even opened up the Red Sea for them to pass through so that the enemies could not pursue them. 
But God didn't bring them straight away into what is uh, so-called the promised land, where they could settle down and call it their home. Instead, this is really important, instead, God led them to Mount Sinai, where they could worship God and enter into a covenant with God. In case the word covenant is confusing to you, consider it as an agreement between two parties. In this case, it is not an agreement between two equal parties. God is the one who initiates and establishes the covenant. And in this agreement, God promises the people of Israel peace, protection, provision, and power over their enemies. Basically, everything that they need to enter into the promised land and to possess it. All that God asks in return is faithfulness to Him by keeping all the commandments God gives to the people. So let's zoom in on what happened at Mount Sinai. Exodus 19, beginning with verse 3. So when the people of Israel reached Mount Sinai, Moses went up the mountain and God spoke to him, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, and this is important, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. So God is going to speak to Moses regarding the covenant, but not privately. Not privately, but in the presence of all the people of Israel. Verse 12, And you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. So clear boundary is set for the people to remind them that God is holy. And no one should presume that they are holy enough to stand in the presence of God, not even the priests. And so the day came, God descended on Mount Sinai in full display of His power and holiness. And God spoke to Moses and all the people of Israel, the Ten Commandments, which I believe many of us are familiar with, and it's recorded for us in Exodus 20 verses 1 to 17. We will not look through them, but we'll go straight 
to our scripture text, beginning with verse 18. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So for some of you who prefer to have some kind of a sermon map, uh, there are three parts to my sermon. First, the intimidating presence of God. Second, the inviting presence of God. And third, what does it mean for us? So first, the intimidating presence of God. So what we just read in Exodus 20 is also found in a New Testament book, in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 to 21. And in verses 18 to 20, the author of Hebrews recounts what happened at Mount Sinai, which we just heard. So basically, the author of Hebrews was just uh, restating what we already knew from Exodus 20. But he wrote it to point out how intimidating is the presence of God to the people. So I hope you have the, 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 the idea here. The author of Hebrews highlighted this incident at Mount Sinai again to highlight how intimidating is the presence of God to the people. And in verse 21, verse 21 of Hebrews chapter 12, the author adds that it was so terrifying that Moses trembled with fear. That Moses trembled with fear. So it is not just the people of Israel who trembled in the presence of God. Moses, who was somewhat familiar with the voice and presence of God, he trembled in fear. So the question is, what was so intimidating about the presence of God? Why was everyone trembling with fear in God's presence? And if you read the whole account of it, you may think, yes, the thunder, the lightning, and the warning of death, should anyone trespass the given boundary? Of course, all of this contributed to the fear that the people felt in the presence of God. But there is a deeper reason why the presence of God was so frightening, so terrifying, so intimidating to the people. You see, when God first created the first human beings, Adam and Eve, they, will, they were not trembling with fear in the presence of God. The words from the hymn, I come to the garden alone, give us a sense of what it is like for Adam and Eve at the very beginning of creation. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Just curious, how many of you know this hymn? 
or show of hands. Okay, quite a number. There's a beautiful hymn, and he describes, you know, the kind of intimacy that the first human beings had with God. But the moment, the moment they disobeyed God, everything changed. Instead of enjoying intimacy with God, Adam and Eve began to hide from the presence of God, as stated in Genesis 3, verse 8. They hide or they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. And so the reason the presence of God is very intimidating is because of the presence of sin in our lives. Just like what happened to Adam and Eve, when we sin against God, or when we harbor sin in our hearts, it makes us want to hide from the presence of God. But friends, the good news is this. God doesn't give up on us when we hide from Him. God doesn't give up on us when we hide from Him. How do I know this? You see, when Adam and Eve hid from the presence of God, God did not abandon them. But God asked them questions. In Genesis 3, I'm, I'm not going to read the whole text, but I just want to highlight the questions that God asked Adam and Eve after they tried to hide from God. God called to the man Adam and said to him, Where are you? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? Why did God ask these questions? Did he not already know the answers? And here let me read to you from the book um, by James Gore, The Lifestyle of a Prophet. And I think he, he says it so, so well, the importance of the questions that God asks us. Every question God asks is an invitation to intimacy. God wants to talk to you. He wants more than just the right answers so you can pass His test. He wants to draw near to you. He is your adoring Father and He cherishes His kids. Questions from the Lord are an invitation to emerge from the place of hiding into transparent honesty and light. And I hope we catch this. God invites us to His presence even when we try to hide from Him. And that brings me to the second part of my sermon, the inviting presence of God. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, God did not abandon them, but invite them to come out of their hiding. Similarly, if we look carefully at what happened at Mount Sinai, even though the Israelites were sinners and therefore unworthy to approach God, but that did not stop God from inviting them into His presence. So what happened is this. God not only descended on the mountain in the form of fire, which is a visible representation of God's holiness, but God also descended on the mountain in the form of a cloud. So let me read to you what a commentator wrote with regards to the significance of God 
coming in the form of a cloud. And this is really important. And it's taken from the message of Exodus by Alec Mortier. Uh, for those who want to study more on the book of Exodus, I highly recommend this uh, commentary, the message of Exodus uh, from the Bible Speaks Today series. Like fire, cloud symbolizes the presence of God. But in the sense of the Holy One so shrouding, not abandoning or diminishing His glory, that He could accommodate Himself to live among His people, to grace them with a presence which in His awful holiness would spell their destruction. Like fire, cloud symbolizes the presence of God. But in the sense of the Holy One, so shrouding His glory. You see, just as light and darkness cannot coexist, God cannot coexist with sin. Therefore, God had to warn the Israelites not to touch the mountain. And God had to come in the form of a cloud to shroud His glory so that the people will not be destroyed by His holy presence. But the day will come, and the day has come, my friends, when God's people no longer approach the presence of God the way the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. So back to the New Testament passage in Hebrews 12. Remember, the author highlights how terrified everyone was in the presence of God, even Moses. And the reason he highlights that is to bring us to verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous make perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Jesus took all our sins upon himself, and he died on the cross so that you and I can draw near to God. The intimacy that Adam and Eve once shared with God is now available to all of us, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. By his blood, our sins are forgiven. So friends, all of us, and even today, if you are still deciding whether or not to believe in Jesus, Jesus is saying to you, you can come into the presence of God, not because of what you have done, but because of what I have done for you. Jesus died on the cross so that we can come into the presence of God and, not be af- and do not need to be afraid that we will be destroyed by the holy presence of God. There is now no more boundary needed to keep us from being destroyed by God's holy presence. So which brings me to the last part of my sermon. What does it mean for us? Now that we have this privileged access to God because of what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross, what are we going to do about it? Do we seek to draw near to God on a daily basis? I want to repeat, on a daily basis, not just on a weekly basis like what we're doing now, do we seek to draw near to God on a, daily, on a daily basis or do we take the presence of God for granted? 
You know, it's one thing to say we desire the presence of God, but quite another to do something about it. You know, in our day and age, we are blessed with many, many resources to help us to draw near to God. I'm not so old, but I still remember that when I was a youth, like some of you here, um, there were not as many resources available in a sense that we probably have to go to a Christian bookstore. You know, we need to buy a Christian CD or DVD. And all of these uh, are not so readily accessible and, and it costs money. But today, there are many, many good resources available to all of us, be it through podcasts, through YouTube, through Spotify. They are available to us for free. And our comms team from the church, very thankful for them. They're constantly flooding our social media uh, with very, very good materials to help us to draw near to God, to help us to renew our mind with the truths of God. But the reality is this, there are still many, many distractions that take our attention away from God. The very app that helps us to draw near to God, for example, Spotify, is also the very app that can help us to draw away from God. Or maybe YouTube is a better example. You know, you can go YouTube and look at wonderful sermons and worships, or we can always be in, on all of this social media, just so consumed by all the other things that takes our attention away from God. Now, friends, I pray that God will stir up in us such a passion and longing for His presence that we will want to spend time with God daily, no matter how busy we are. Amen? Okay, good. At least I'm not the only one who wants that. I believe you want it. And some of you, or maybe many of you, or most of you have tasted what it means for us to be in that presence of God. And you know that that is far greater than any YouTube video, any movies, or whatever it may be. And I pray that God will grant us the longing that we will not rest until we spend time with God. I pray also for our church that we will not be one who is more concerned about the absence of rain than about the presence of God. Of course, the absence of rains may refer to many, many things, not exactly rain, rain per se. You see, for us to be the church that God desires us to be, a church on mission with the Master, a church that makes a real difference to our neighbors here in Amokyo and beyond. We need to prioritize the presence of God above our programs, our processes, and our policies. But hear me on this. Our programs, our policies, our processes are very important. And I pray that God will raise up the, all of us to help with all of these things. That God will use our gifts and our talents to contribute to all of this that we need to do. But as a church, this cannot take the place of the presence of God. It's back to the story by Pastor Wing Cordero. Is it enough that God bless your programs, that God gives you good policies, good processes, but the presence of God is absent? I'm sure our answer is no. It is not good enough. We long for the presence of God to be with all of us, be on our Sunday gathering, be in your cell group, in your family groups, at home, 
wherever we are, we pray and ask that the Lord will descend upon us and help us to experience and to carry His presence to the world. Before I end, I want to bring us back to Mount Sinai. I hope by now you have this assurance that God desires for you to encounter His presence. And even when you try to hide from the presence of God, if today this is how you are feeling, you feel that you are very distant from God and you are far away from God for whatever reason, God continues to invite you to draw near to Him with all your struggles, with all your failures, and with all your disappointments. And because of Jesus, we can with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. So wherever you are, you are never too far away from God. But having said all this, I do not want us to overlook the very first point that I make in my sermon, the intimidating presence of God. So back to our scripture text, Exodus 20 verse 20. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of Him may be before you, that you may not sin. If you read this verse carefully, you know that Moses mentions two kinds of fear. One that turns us away from God and one that turns us away from sin. He warns us against one and exhorts us to embrace the other. We should not have the ungodly kind of fear that causes us to hide from the presence of God. But we need to have the godly kind of fear, which is about having such a deep awe of who God is, that we will do everything we can to please God and not break His heart. There was a very famous tele-evangelist in the States who went to prison because of fraud. His name is Gene Baker. Gene Baker not only committed fraud, but he also had an affair. John Bevere, a well-known Christian author and speaker, at the request of Jim Baker, visited him while in prison. While visiting him in prison, John Bevere asked Jim, when did you fall out of love with Jesus? When did you stop loving Jesus? Was it when you committed adultery? Was it during the embezzlement? When did it really happen? Jim replied him with a very serious tone, John, I didn't. John Bevere couldn't believe what he heard. And so he asked, what do you mean you didn't? You committed adultery. You were arrested and, and prosecuted. Jim said, I didn't fall out of love with Jesus. I loved him all the way through it. But he noticed that John Bevere could not understand what he was saying. He adds, John, I love Jesus, but I didn't fear God. And there are millions of other Christians in America who love Jesus but don't fear Him. Why do I share this example? It is important for all of us, as we say we long for the presence of God, we need to embrace both the inviting and the intimidating presence of God. We need to know both the love and fear of God that we may draw near to God and turn away from sin. 
Now at this point, I can invite the worship team to come up. Again, I hope that today's message helps us to prepare and posture ourselves for a greater move and manifestation of God's presence in our midst as we learn to embrace both the love and fear of God. This is my prayer for all of us. I pray that individually and also as a church, that we will be known for the presence of God in our lives, in our church. It is not enough for us to say that we are known to be nice people, but I pray that when people see us, when people see Amokyo Methodist Church, they see something more. They know that God is with us and God is doing great things in us and through us. Can I invite all of you to stand as I lead us in a time of prayer before we continue with time of worship? Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that because of Jesus, that we can come into your presence, that we can draw near to you. That we do not need to worship you from afar. And Lord, we thank you for Jesus because even when we fail you, Lord, you still invite us to come back to you. And even more, I believe God, you want to so invade our lives and our church so that the world will see you in us. And so Lord, I pray as we continue in this time of worship, that Lord, you'll awaken our hearts to hunger and to thirst for more of you. Let it not be just something we know in our heads, but let it be in our hearts that we have such a deep longing for your presence more than anything else in this world. So Lord, come, Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill our hearts. Come and ignite our hearts so that we will love you more than anything else. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.